This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the only thing more exciting than an evening shade reunion. I'm your host, Mr. Warmth himself, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. Hey, Henry Gilbert and <laughs> Poop. And this week's episode is Gump Roast. Sorry for the clip show. <laughs> Have no fears, we've got stories for years. This episode originally aired on April 21st, 2002, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, the Scorpion King tops the box office, the Senate defeats Bush's plan to drill for oil in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, and Robert Blake is arrested for uh, accused of murdering his wife or uh, arranging the hit. He will later be found not guilty. If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. I'm sure. Is that what the bird detective says? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beretta? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's what, who he was? Beretta's old line, yeah. When he was arrested, people expected me to know who he was. Sort of like when O.J. Simpson was arrested. My parents were like, you know the football guy? And I'm like, I was born in 1982. He was uh, the Hertz guy when I was a kid. And the naked gun guy. At least he was a naked gun. Robert Blake didn't do anything to be famous in our childhoods, you know. He should have... He should have started a kid-friendly comedy of the 80s uh, if, if they wanted us to care about Robert Blake. But, yeah, it was. What was the story behind this? Now, this is all just me remembering things and possibly, uh, you know, getting ourselves in the hot water here. But he was like, no, the the gun I was going to kill my wife was in, the, was in the car. She was killed by another gun. Yes, yeah. The So his wife was shot and murdered while he was out to dinner with her. He went to his car. Uh, and she was shot by a man who then would say uh, that Robert Blake paid him to kill her, which he said wasn't true. Uh, other witnesses, I believe, in the trial said Robert Blake tried to hire me to kill my wife or to kill his wife. Uh, yes, Robert Blake's defense also was like, but I was going to the car to get where my own gun was. I wasn't going to kill her. My <laughs> gun was in that car. But he was found not guilty. I guess they did not have enough uh, to, to prove it, I suppose. But yes, it, uh, some people believe that he paid a guy to kill his wife, uh, who he did, did not have a good relationship with, I believe. Hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, we're not drilling in the Arctic just yet, I don't think, but we are drilling everywhere else in the past uh, 20 years and, mm. and spilling oil all over the place, too. Doesn't it feel weird to think about the drill baby drill era again? It's like yeah, yeah. Re- Republican reactionary grievances conservative grievances in america are so far from being mad that you can't drill for oil somewhere like i mean in the wake of this of stuff like this with bush wanting to drill into the wildlife uh, areas and national parks that then jerks like sarah palin would say like oh well does it make you guys mad that we'd want to drill in a park or we want to do a drill baby drill now the things that conservatives want to do to piss off liberals far far different than uh, drilling for oil mm-hmm. and killing killing animals. Uh, though I guess you know what there was that pipeline 
So Obama shut down that pipeline, then Trump brought it back, and then... It was really messy. I know, uh, like, journalists were arrested for covering it, so right, it was not a right. good time for democracy. But again, it, the democracy is on the way out. That's why we're getting rid of yeah. democracy on our network, because just get used to it. It's the future of living here in this country. Welcome to 2023. And uh, yes, in The Scorpion King, uh, The Rock's first starring role in something, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Was he credited as The Rock? or I believe he was, at this point, in movies Dwayne quotes the rock okay. unquote Johnson but for a period of time he was just Dwayne Johnson in movies and I believe now in current films he is Dwayne of the rock Johnson and stuff I uh, think this is mostly famous now for the terrible CGI oh yeah very very bad CGI yeah it's and it also was you know now today with the MCU and how they plan out and tease things forever this was very inventive for its time because they make the mummy returns there's a flashback where the rock's in it for just a little bit as the scorpion king and they fully did it to set up a prequel to come out the next year as a deal with the rock and so uh this was you know planning for the whole time and also it lines up with pro wrestling because the rock left uh pro wrestling for months and months and when he came back he was slowly being de-emphasized on the shows and the fans actually turned against him because they saw him as Hollywood Rock leaving behind pro wrestling for greener pastures. There's already a Hollywood guy. It's Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> yeah. I I'm just learning now, this is the first of five Scorpion King movies uh, <laughs> never to be played again by The Rock. Oh, wait. All oh, right. So he's there's been a long direct-to-video series of the, the Scorpion King? Yes, starting with uh, Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, starring who is playing Michael Cop Copon? He must have been cast for his ability to look like The Rock. And uh, <laughs> who else is playing uh, the Scorpion King? Uh, Victor Webster? These are all made-up names. You know, that's also interesting because uh, The Rock just starred in the Black Adam movie, uh, the DC superhero, uh, or supervillain, maybe. He plays both sides. He's uh, But... The Rock had been trying to make that movie for over a decade, and it also is about a former Egyptian royalty <laughs> that then comes back to the real world uh, with power. There's something about playing Egyptians, which The Rock has no e Egyptian ancestry. His father is uh, African-American, or actually, I believe, a, a black Canadian man. His mother... Uh, Samoan so he has he, I don't believe he has any particular roots to Egypt yet he loves playing these like Egyptian royals hmm. that's yeah I didn't know anything about Black Adam mm -hmm. he's uh, oh I love Black Adam was one of my favorites so the, he was a real uh, superhero for the Bush era because he and it's why The Rock loves the character because Black Adam's like I can beat up Superman and if I feel like I killing somebody I just do it because I know what's right but Superman will not be appearing in this film yeah <laughs> uh, oh he's in the post credits of, oh, uh, of Black Adam I'm sorry to say setting up what another Superman yeah he's gonna fight Superman in the next movie okay. like he the rock bragged in a in an Instagram post of him drinking rock brand tequila Terramana tequila is the name of his brand. Uh, drinking that tequila with Henry Cavill is his way of saying, like, I got Henry Cavill to come back, guys. That's right. I know that because Henry Cavill not coming back for The Witcher Season 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've heard rumors that it's because the show was getting worse and he didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I, I think they just went to the, the Hollywood claw machine and picked out a Hemsworth. <laughs> You'll do. Yeah, yeah. They get a lesser Hemsworth. They're like, you know, the wig does most of the work on this anyway to yeah. play uh, Geralt. 
Geralt. I don't play those games. I, I've heard they're good. I don't me care too, about the show, too. but I've heard the show is okay too. I, I have also heard that. Yeah, I uh, I think I heard about how you don't know it because like you stayed in a place with a Geralt. Uh, a Witcher-sized bathtub. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I bathed in the Witcher tub. <laughs> you bathed in a Witcher. And I did tub. stick my feet over the edge, you sickos. I know you're thinking about it. <laughs> but that—that that was for private use, not yes. for Twitter. Uh, yeah. There were no photo ops there. <laughs> this episode, you might notice, we don't have a guest. Mm-hmm. That's because they didn't have to work hard, so we're not going to work hard. <laughs> Scheduling guests is tough, and so yeah, we're and also, you know, this is the final. Regular clip show of the series, and I think we only had a guest on one clip show, 138. Uh, that was our good friend, Kat. But we, you know, part of the thing with clip shows is it's like, well, this is the thing we've already talked about a ton. So this is kind of boring to talk about again. And uh, this is not as dynamic as 138, the best clip show ever. Yeah, or even All Singing, All Dancing, in which uh, Maggie is threatened with a gun. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. There was, yeah, there's a clip show between the other two. That's right, yeah. Uh, which at least had the style of, you know what, we did have a lot of songs on this show. How about we play those? You know, uh, I really hated this when it first aired. Me because too, me too. If you, if you were alive in 2002, you knew at that point in time, this is too late for a clip show. Uh, there are DVDs out. There is no shortage of ways to watch these clips. But I don't, like, I'm sure other series were still doing it, but it felt far too late. And this is not anything, like, super insightful, but that was my opinion in 2002. Like, how dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Like, they, on the commentaries for the first clip show... On the DVD for the season four April Fool's one, I think they're saying, yeah, clip shows are pretty much dead. You don't really do them anymore because audiences like will tune out. Like that was the thing they said on the sort of not really clip show behind the laughter because they were worried. Oh, no, no, sorry. That was in when Homer had the midlife crisis in the Edison episode where they show the clips and then they're like, uh, oh, wait, no, we, we have to stop these clips really quick because <laughs> we're worried people will change the channel if they think it's a clip show and I, I guess for more context we should point out the simpsons staff has always had like a battle against clip shows because i think fox wanted four per year mm-hmm. and they were able to work it out to give them one every couple of years and they usually got people at the end of their contracts to write them <laughs> uh, under duress yes yes the, the two of the big ones the pennywise and pound foolish ones were so John Vitti could fulfill a contract and move on with his life. Uh, and and David Silverman just oversaw them. And uh, in 138 to do it digital, just to be like, well, let's see how we can do it digital. But And definitely with another Simpsons clip show, I feel like it's David Merkin delivering the worst possible episode he could. And I think we've said it on that podcast, that is the worst episode. Yes, yeah. And I, I stand by it because yeah. it's just the most intentionally flat and uninteresting. I think there's like two actual jokes in the episode that i would call a joke but yeah i mean the the economics of why they did it if you're if you don't know is because like back then in the the early seasons before they hit 100 episodes fox wanted it to get to syndicated as soon as possible and the executives are totally right to do that from a business standpoint because i was digging through the variety archives again uh for for other stuff in this episode but there are so many stories when the syndication begins of like simpsons number one in syndication the biggest thing like it was a huge syndicated hit immediately and And it made tons of money now it's the biggest thing on disney plus is that correct yes yeah i thought so simpsons reruns are a huge huge money maker and so you know back then i think they certainly the rules don't work that way now but back then 
you couldn't create a syndicated package until you had 100 episodes. That's why they'd celebrate 100 episodes. And so if you're in season two of The Simpsons and you're you're going to make 22 episodes a season, you're going to get to 100 a lot faster if there are some clip shows in there because a clip show gets syndicated for the same price as a regular episode. <laughs> so it's really just like the filler, uh, literal filler to, to get some more money. It, it's safe to say that 21 years ago was the last time there was a fear that there weren't enough Simpsons episodes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I And I agree with you, Bob. This was... You know, I think this was one of those final straws for me as a regular viewer of Simpsons. I wouldn't, it's not that I stopped watching the show, but it wasn't appointment viewing anymore and I wasn't taping it anymore. And I think it was seeing a clip show that also had musty old references in it. And as listeners know, obviously a gigantic breaking of canon yes, <laughs> in this yes. episode surely pissed uh, elder teen me off quite a lot. Yeah. And, and looking back at this, uh, not to insult the writers of this episode, of course, <laughs> I realized that in the eight years between Forrest Gump and this episode, they never did a Forrest Gump reference. And I think that's because it was too obvious. Yeah. Homer yeah. was the dim every man who got to accomplish all of his goals and do incredible things like go to the moon and meet former presidents and meet Beatles and everything like that. I think they realized that's too obvious a joke. We're not going to do it. And then to see it eight years later <laughs> is pretty shocking. I mean, Gene and Reese did Forrest Gump stuff on the critic and it was okay, yeah. but Jay Sherman was not a Forrest Gump style character. Yeah. And it made more sense to have the critic watch clips from a Forrest Gump two movie like that made some sense or him meet Forrest Gump style characters like that that all made sense but yeah I mean when Forrest Gump was brand new I would think uh guys the, the showrunners then were Dave Merkin and followed by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein and I think all of them would in that time go like this is the most obvious reference possible we're not yeah. doing it every single show's doing a forrest gump parody we're not gonna do this mad tv just did gump fiction oh god yes written yeah. by Pat oswald i believe i think so yeah that, that is such a youtube sketch like yeah watching uh, this again like 15 years later since i last watched it on dvd or whatever whenever the dvds came out like 2009 that's the last time i watched this one Watching it again, now I can see what they're trying to do. Yes, they're trying to make a, uh, a really cheap clip show, but I can also see them saying, these are the new classic clips. Yeah. Because it's 2001 when they're writing this. Everybody is hopping online. It's way easier to see feedback about the show, and it's all bad. Everyone is so <laughs> mad at The Simpsons, and they'll continue to be mad for the next 21 years. And this is them saying, okay, we're going to show you a few of the clips that you like, but we've picked out what we think are the new classics. And for the most part, they're ones I see referenced more than any other postseason nine uh, clips. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right that this was at least them capturing what were more popular postseason nine scenes to use. And I think, too, it does help not only that they're not, I, th I would bet Gene was thinking like, if we use clips we've already used in previous clip shows, that's really like a snake eating its own tail. So let's go with something more recent, mostly. Though another thing that bugs me about this episode is when you see a clip from a real classic, like the first clip you see is from, I think, one of the best animated episodes of the series, Homer the Heretic. When you see that, you're reminded the show doesn't look like this anymore, which, yes, they lost people like Brad Bird and David Silverman, but I think, too, it was that budget-wise, they couldn't do it anymore. Oh, for sure. Way. Which is why now when they do little jokes about, you know, making clips look like old clips, 
you realize that they can make the show look like it used to, but they refuse to. I know. And hey, I get it. It's for it's for us. But hey, you've shown us that you can do it. Could you at least do like, just give us one episode that looks that way. The square with that color theory instead of the like current color theory that feels weaker or just like more homogenized. Too but, many shadows, too much detail. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Can I just have a little less detail in the background? But yeah clip shows are dead you can't it's also like the internet is getting started and so uh in april of 2002 you couldn't just google every line from the simpsons and find the video of it but it's getting closer that time is getting closer yeah, we're about yeah. three years from youtube and maybe four years from youtube banning all simpsons clips immediately the second <laughs> right. you try to upload them uh now yeah i feel like the only official there's still a ton of simpsons clips on there there was a time where when simpsons world launched the only simpsons clips you would see on there were the ads for simpsons world like uploaded by fox to to advertise it and now i don't know if they're really cracking down because i can find most simpsons clips on youtube of you know famous scenes they're still up there yeah i think they are uh, i think they've held back a little bit on it for sure certainly certainly i've seen like old commercials just get to stay up like nobody takes them down and also this isn't youtube but it's twitch but uh daily simpsons history a really good twitter account to follow follow them on twitch because without warning usually i'd say at least once a month they will just air a simpsons episode fully as it aired on tv like taped off of tv with the vintage commercials from when it first aired in the u.s Hmm. and it's a ton of fun and the streams aren't archived but they get to play the whole way through they don't get taken down as an experiment uh while you were talking henry i just googled a random uh a clip i just typed in where's my elephant simpsons into youtube and there are two versions of it one was from 11 years ago one's from five years ago and ah. they've never been touched <laughs> you know i wonder if those episodes that were uploaded in like four parts are uh, i think those got taken down there was a big crackdown on those i i won't name names we had a couple guests who i was a little judgy of of like oh you guys watched it in the clip parts on youtube you can't you can't at least find like kiss cartoons and steal it that way like, you can't just go to type in simpsons episode streaming into, yes. into google that's all you if you write any cartoon name and then kiss cartoon after it you will find the illegal stream of it like and you and you shouldn't do that because that's wrong uh, but yeah. this is not interesting at all but i was doing some <laughs> youtube uh, curating of my own i was just like cleaning up my youtube account because i've had it for a long long time and i noticed that i have a bunch of playlists and a lot of those playlists are like the playlists of one episode of mystery science theater it's like <laughs> the final sacrifice one of 13 and then like the rest of them are in, in like a playlist they're all deleted now because mm. every episode of mst3k is online but they used to be a 10 minute limit yeah right man and now not only are they they're either hosted by mst3k or not taken down by mst3k like I this is more esoteric side BS, but I wanted to watch that Santa Claus episode. And first I was going to watch it on the Gizmoplex, uh, which I paid for the whole year of it. But like the app on my uh, Google TV, my Android TV just wasn't working. And so I was like, ah, screw this. I'm going to YouTube. And I just watched a just somebody upload the whole episode on YouTube and I watched it. This is the place to say it. That Gizmoplex platform sucks. Uh, good intentions but boy is it awful i've had to pirate all the mystery science theater that i paid for yeah it's sad it's too bad i i was happy to give to their second kickstarter and i you know fully support not only any creator i love going independent like that and not shopping their thing to netflix but also like mst3k in general i have so much affection for and i'll give it but 
Gizmoplex could be better. There's yeah. just no two ways about it. I, I would rather the performers and writers have the money than them building a new platform. Yeah, it. but I mean, is that what we both love and and kind of worry about with Joe Hodgson that he... He likes weird little ventures like that, like mm-hmm. the Gizmoplex. Like he doesn't, that's just kind of the guy he is, you know? We wouldn't have Mystery Science Theater if he didn't do that. I but, don't know how we got here, but. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, the Simpsons clip shows. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I guess if we're going to uh, say mean things about people we love as well, like when you say, oh, this is too obvious of Forrest Gump, that was how Dan Castellaneta and Deb LaCusta pitched it of like that they thought like hey you know he's kind of like forrest gump we should pitch that and it's like because they're the uh, dan is the star of the series they can't say that's too obvious and not Mm -hmm. do it they kind of have to do it i feel like if this was pitched as a non-clip show and i assume that it was yeah uh they would say no but they found a way to work that into five (laughs) minutes of a clip show right yeah yeah they're like oh you know what Uh, so i have clips of almost every line said in the episode and that equals nine and a half minutes total. And that that's counting the minute long song at the end of the episode. So yeah, they basically paid for half of an, uh, I'd say 40% new footage for this episode. I got, yeah. Well, that minute long song was, well, maybe there's three new drawings in it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what? That shouldn't count. So actually, I guess it's more like 35, 30% new footage in this episode. So, hey, they get a cheaper episode. They make Dan Castellaneta, their star of the series, happier by doing his episode. It's, uh, you know, I, I see the reasoning for agreeing to do this. Yeah. It just is very funny that Homer uh, is doing a Forrest Gump parody for no reason. <laughs> and because of that, the episode is named after the first five minutes of this episode. <laughs> and also he has to wear the Forrest Gump costume for the entire preceding 15 minutes of the episode yeah if i was them when they go to commercial break have homer wear a tuxedo when you come back like he doesn't need to wear the but i guess hey you know what that costs more money in design you know and we're taking it easy so they've got a model (laughs) sheet with homer in a tuxedo yeah that's true just stick that one out you're right yeah it's uh yeah just for a also like a pun on rump roast to like oh it's gump plus to roast which it also lets them so when alf did a clip show late in its series also to pad out uh things for syndication and so alf wouldn't have to film with any of the other actors it's just alf and the actors can take a week off al gene and mike reese had left the show at that point but they were asked to come back to write the clip show because it was a tonight show parody and they worked on the tonight Hmm. show it also flows very similar to the second two acts of this episode because it really is just the format of late night entertainment. You have a joke about corny old jokes setting up a clip like and and also I bet that lets you write a little easier because like, oh, if this is a bad joke, that's uh, the joke. It's funny that it's not <laughs> a good joke. I also think maybe they tried a bit too hard sometimes because uh, I think it happens a few times in which there's new narration over an old clip and I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can just uh, let this play as it lays. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so here's uh, the, uh, they talk a little on the commentary and the behind the scenes of this though. Honestly, they're a little too jokey on this commentary. It's a loose commentary and Dan Castellaneta is not even on it. Uh, because he's filming uh, a season six episode of Desperate Housewives. It's called Boom Crunch, if you want to look up the episode that he guest stars. Yeah, in. I looked that up. He's not even a recurring character. This is one appearance on that show. <laughs> Man, Dan can't even get more than one appearance on it. So, yeah, they, they're recording it that day. 
uh, probably in the Fox studio in Hollywood while I'm assuming he's filming. Well, you know what? Wisteria Lane was on the Universal lot. We've all seen it if you've taken the Universal <laughs> Hollywood tram tour, but I don't know if he was filming the rest on the Universal lot. But. I think when we took the tour in 2018, they said Wisteria Lane. Yes, yeah. Uh, but we know it best as the Get a Life neighborhood. That's far more important than it's the Get a Life neighborhood, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, Deb Lacusta, his wife and writing partner, She's on the commentary, mainly representing uh, the the story of how it was written and all that. And she mentions they came up with the Homer as Gump idea during a work stoppage during the actors negotiating new salaries. And this is what sent me down a little research uh, trip. I've talked about it before, but... Uh, the Variety archives are very helpful in charting the timelines of the actors wanting more money, uh, and which I've said it before. I'll say it again. They should want more money. Everybody who says like, well, it's such an easy job. They work like a day a week tops. They should get a million dollars. Like, yes, because their show is extremely successful. They should get a million dollars. Yeah. If we got a replacement Homer, you'd be changing your tune. Yes. Yeah. They are also key to the show it when when they replaced even just even one of the side actors it is so recognizable they yeah. just kill off mod because they don't want to have a fake voice for it anymore but they say that they can they wrote this episode during a work stoppage which was april 30th 2001 was when the news broke of them signing the deal that ended it. So it's the March, April, 2001 period that this happened. So at some point Forrest Gump aired on TV and Dan and Deb saw it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and they're thinking, you know what, if we actually get signed on for a new season, I'm going to pitch this, but yeah. So apparently what happened was we all know about, uh, as the joke goes, nobody will know the diddly difference. That's a reference to them in 1998 as a group, the uh, five key voice actors saying they wouldn't come back to the show unless they got a big raise. They were getting 30000 an episode, which is makes sense when you sign the deal for the series in season one. But I'd say by season two, they should be making uh, triple that at the very least. And so they get a raise up to 100000 an episode for 98 seasons when they finally make the deal. And so that deal's come and due. It's time to renew for season 13 and 14. So what happens is apparently they were scheduling a table read and the actors didn't show up as a way of saying, Nope, we're not we're not doing this until hmm. you sign a new deal with us. Uh, and so here's how Variety reported on how it ended uh, April 30th, 2001. The collective voices behind long-running hit comedy The Simpsons are closing new deals with 20th Century Fox and Gracie Films. They will hike their salaries to 100000 an episode for two new seasons and with an option for a third season that will pay 125 per episode. In addition, the actors will be paid a million-dollar bonus that was part of their last contract but wasn't supposed to be paid until 2005. The Simpsons will be right back. New from Kellogg's, no problemos. Yummy loops and chocolatey biscuits do anything to get your hands on them. New Bart Simpsons No Problemos. There's a bit of Bart in every box.
Hey everybody, it's Henry. Welcome to the break, and I promise that this break is not a clip show in this clip show podcast. And normally this is where I'd be thanking our guest, but we didn't want to subject a guest to a bunch of clip packages to talk through. And me and Bob had a whole bunch of fun starting out the year with our first Real Simpsons episode talking about Gump Roast and its long-term effects on the series. And you know, me and Bob are only able to talk about a clip show of The Simpsons for almost two hours because of supporters at patreon.com slash talking simpsons who are just like you listeners but they give us five bucks a month not just so me and bob can do this as our full-time jobs but also to get a ton of extras and bonuses each month you get a new episode of talking futurama and talk king of the hill us going now into seasons four and three of futurama and king of the hill respectively as well you get a gigantic back catalog of over 125 exclusive other podcasts of us covering shows like the critic mission hill both in full and 18 of our favorite episodes of batman the animated series which just wrapped up its second season last month Please check it all out for yourself at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. But if you want something even nicer than a trip to the People's Choice Awards, you should sign up at the premium level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons because that's where you get to hear a big bonus podcast each month in addition to all the stuff I just talked about at the $5 level. For 10 bucks a month, you get to hear me and Bob talk about an animated feature film super in-depth on What a Cartoon Movie Podcast. Often for over five hours about an animated feature film, sometimes even over six and a half hours long. Last month, we talked about Tokyo Godfathers, the holiday and New Year's classic. The month before that, like is paranormal at the end of this month we'll be talking about the disney classic dumbo yes you will believe an elephant can fly and there's a gigantic back catalog over 50 episodes from four years worth of monthly what a cartoon movies i would definitely say it is approaching 200 hours of exclusive content in addition to all of the other stuff you get at that $5 level. We have covered everything from Akira to a Goofy movie, Beavis and Butthead do the universe to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and everything in between. Please check it all out for yourself at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. another key thing to why i think this episode exists uh, <laughs> later in the article in addition to the salary hike that will cover seasons 13 14 and perhaps 15 dan castellanetta the actor will also receive a first look production development deal with fox with writing partner deb lacusta castellanetta has written several episodes of the show one of which was nominated for a prism award which, like, that's incorrect. They'd written one episode of this time. They're talking about Days of Wine and Dozes, mm -hmm. which is a prison war. But so I don't think it's a coincidence that as soon as Castellanetto with the other actors signed a new deal to return to the show that also involved a writing production deal with Fox, that they then buy a new script from uh, Castellanetta and Lacusta. I don't, I don't think that's an accident. No, and I'm looking at his uh, credits. Uh, his only writing credits are on uh, Tracy Ullman show, of course, and then nine episodes of The Simpsons. Yes, yeah, he's and he would get a uh, consulting producer up to co-executive producer from this season onward as well. And and I've heard that it's like not unearned. Like there's 
there was a recent, uh, I believe it was a Vulture article, uh, talking about how the show is produced today. And they were talking uh, both to Selman and some of the newer writers on the show. I think Christine Nangle and Brody Gupta. And both the newer writers said, and yeah, Dan is in the writer's room too. Like he's helping us with stuff. Like he's, hmm. he is a committed, busy guy. It's not uh, working on the show more than just as an actor. So I'd say he's at least earning those credits as, as co-executive producer. It feels to me like he is Mr. Simpson. So he'll do anything for the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, he's the guy who's in every online short or whatever. I mean, he's, he's the guy doing the Trump impersonation in those, those great online original. And in the one video on the Macarena YouTube account, it's him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dan, Dan, Hey, Dan likes to have fun. He's uh, you know, and follow your passion and, and yeah, I mean, they're making millions and millions and that made it so season 13, they made cumulatively, I think, two and a half million per season just for acting. And it was all the actors. And also in that April 30th Variety article, it was Al Jean being announced that he was taking over. That was part of their press release. But I also got to say in those articles, I could see maybe Variety's trying to be like, let's hear both sides. Hmm. But they have some lines in there. And I'm like, what did the, the, the freaking executives at Fox write this? They say, though, some have said that the actors barely do anything compared to, say, Ray Romano's work on Everybody Loves Raymond. His schedule's far busier and he doesn't get paid that much per episode. And I'm like, OK, that, that some would say is real sneaky. Yes. Yeah. The, any of those things yeah. are such like a sneak. Line. Many believe <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'm always, I always hate those articles that try to put labor, like that they try to make anybody but executives on that shit look greedy. I mean, this is after also the, the railway strike, uh, news that was happening in the early December. I think Joe Biden should have shut down the Simpson strike. <laughs> he should have forced them like, <laughs> sorry, I, you guys, uh, America needs more Simpsons. You gotta, you gotta break the strike. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, also when they signed that deal. Fox got a little real give and take on this because so they give them all a raise and they give them that million dollar bonus that was contingent on the show continuing to 2005, which you can see how in the past when they signed the deal in 98, Fox was like 2005, no way it's going that long. We're not paying them all a million that that promised million will be nothing. And then by 2001, they're like, nah, shit, it probably will go to 2005. <laughs> Let's just give them a million now. But what they get in return for that is all the actors agree that if a Simpsons movie is made before a certain date, they will do it. They can't say no to it. So it's a pre-agreement for the Simpsons movie. Boy, you know, Fox uh, making those promises was like me taking out student loans, where I was like, <laughs> 2007, that's a million years in the future. Uh, we'll never get there. Then once it comes up, they're like, and yeah, like a million dollar bonus is the least the actors on The Simpsons deserve. Uh, though, yeah, everybody on The Simpsons deserves a raise. I'm glad the, the actors all worked together in concert to get a raise uh, after they were inspired by the friends people uh the, the friends cast doing the same deal but yeah if if this deal that was reached during the writing of gump roast uh hadn't <laughs> been reached then there wouldn't be a simpsons movie because i think that them signing that deal in 01 for a simpsons movie is why like a few years later that's when fox was like shit they'll never agree to do a movie again 
they are contractually obligated, but we have to do it now. I guess we got to do the Simpsons movie now. And that's why we're probably not going to get another movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they at least have... the theatrical movie, I think. Because the movie's not in the actors' contracts now. Yeah. And if they wanted to do the, con- they'd have to pay probably. I think, especially to Harry Shearer, they'd have to pay a lot of money to get him to do another movie. The articles on it weren't too acrimonious. A far cry from the articles I then read from two years, uh, sorry, from three years later in 2004 during this stuff, uh, the arguments over renewals for 16 and 17, because Hmm. that's when things got really bad, though it got even worse the next time. That's when Harry Shearer quit the show briefly. But one thing that bugged me reading the Variety article was uh, for their next negotiation they get some off the record stuff from somebody associated with the actors that apparently the actors were united and not coming back until they got the sweetest plum residuals. They, they want a residuals. And then it is a, alleged in the variety article that at least one actor said, you know what guys, let's just give up on residuals. We'll get the raise and a bunch more money. Let's just, let's stop fighting for the residuals and sign it and that's when the actors were like well if it's not all of us agreeing then i guess we just have to do it and so it implied that some actors were bothered that another at least one other actor got them to drop the residuals thing which year was this which negotiation was was this 2004 one for season 16 and 17 i guess they didn't know they'd have at least 20 more years of work ahead of them (laughs) yeah and i i mean i know for harry shearer at least from his WTF interview years and years ago, at least in that interview, he did talk about how for him residuals were a big deal because even getting highly paid for the Simpsons, that's just money one time when his kid should be making money forever off of Simpsons reruns. But it's what Fox <laughs> and I would bet now Disney will never give up. They, I, they don't want that. I know I was a WTF listener because there's nothing more frustrating than a Harry Shearer interview. <laughs> and I think I remember Mark going, so uh, the Simpsons want to talk about that, Harry? And he was just like, oh, you know, I show up and they pay me and it's fine. <laughs> yes. He's, he will give nothing. He, he does yeah. not want to show you he gets any joy out of it. And that's uh, it. I mean, I get it. I mean, we read that interview of him from like season five where he's just like, man, I don't really like it. Like he, he was hating on the show in season three. Yeah. Like, yeah. But with the softball episode yeah anyway that's the timing of how this episode got pitched it was in spring of 2001 while the actors were trying to get a big raise yeah i forgot the commentary tells the story of how the episode was made because in my head i had the theory that it was pitched much earlier because dan and deb's last episode which was days of wine and dozes that was pitched in season four but they were already making duffless I had a feeling that this was like a season six pitch because of the Forrest Gump stuff, but no, it was written in 2001. Uh, It's funny to think that like you want to say like, oh, this is probably pitched in 96, right? That's why it's not, it's not that stale. Yeah. I mean, the timing of it is just so weird because it's like, it's not old enough for you to be nostalgic for it yet, but it's not new enough as to feel recent or like, uh, exciting so it's just in this like dead zone of like really a parody of a thing from eight years ago it's weird to see forrest gump and austin powers parodied at once (laughs) yes yeah at least but at least in that case that that joke feels like them admitting yeah can you believe we're doing forrest gump like that'd be as bad as uh as austin powers and we would arrest ourselves if we earnestly did an austin powers parody this episode contains a few apologies on their behalf (laughs) a last behind the scenes thing i'll mention too is that uh the former twitter account that guy 3002 he had the original script for this episode or a table draft for it he tweeted it out i have the archived tweet of it 
there's only like five times where there was something interesting that they changed the the funny thing in his original thread about it was he said boy it was really hard doing the previous ones of these i want to take it easy so i'm doing a clip show script (laughs) a deep dive if they if the writers could take it easy i'm gonna take it easy so uh so yes i will note uh where where interesting the episode begins with a uh yes a forrest gump parody I'll give it to Alf Clausen that he did a good fake of the Alan Silvestri Gump score. I'll yeah, you can, you can always count on him. <laughs> uh, not anymore, but right, uh, yeah. Right. yeah, you're right. Yeah, you I'm, could <laughs> always count on him. I like seeing Homer stabbed in the eye by a feather. I think that's funny. Twice. <laughs> and, and it's like right in the middle of his iris. Like it's not even like in his tear ducts or whatever. It's like boink right there. What surprised me is that that went for a truncated opening and not the full opening because you <laughs> want to kill time in this clip show. But no, they give you the truncated opening up front. I guess more time for more clips. I don't know. Yeah, it's more time for more clips. And, you know, animating feathers is hard. I, I bet it's not easy. The, you know, I'm, this joke is better than what's in the original script where the feather had apparently flown off of a, uh, this is the name of the character, Native American construction worker uh, <laughs> who it, it fell off his headdress. And then uh, somebody says like, well, I guess we won't call you white feather anymore because it's white feather flew off it i i'm glad there's not a yeah yeah, i'm glad we don't know the origin of the feather uh but yes then uh we get homer homer even saying chocolate like how gump says it like i hate that i i'm with wiggum wanting to beat him with a club (laughs) for saying homer should be arrested uh but here's at least where we find out that the show also doesn't like this reference want a chocolate hold it right there forest plump this town has laws against impersonating movie characters. I'll behave! <laughs> Luke, I am your father. Shagadelic. <laughs> uh, what are you doing here, anyway? Waiting for my wife. She has a surprise for me. Hey, 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 I don't ask for your life story. Did you say life story? <laughs> Uh, you know, I do like the drawing of Mo in a terrible Austin Powers outfit and being arrested. With uh, the fake teeth, too. Yeah. <laughs> and his shagadelic. Like, <laughs> Fortunately, Wiggum was nice enough to let them out right after this so they could be at the roast <laughs> later in the episode. Yeah, they've got some pretty good seats. We're, yeah, because we are right before Attack of the Clones and uh, Goldmember. So, right. Oh, God. 1992 gave us two uh, Star Wars sequels. That's right, man. Yeah. Gar- uh, Darth. Well, Darth Vader's always like right there. But like, I wonder if, too, this whole like arresting people for doing movie references, they used to do it all the time on the show. But now Family Guy and South Park also do it all the time. Mm. So I wonder if they're feeling a little more guilty about using it. Like, yeah, they're the ones who started it, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, Mad Magazine started it, but they were popularizing it on a non-sketch show. Yeah, no, The Simpsons did like film parodies all the time, especially in the Gene years. And then, I mean, too, I guess it is after doing so much of the critic, I can see that Al Jean's like, you know what? I don't want to see our characters dressed as other characters anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of it. But then later in the episode, when Burns approaches the the the, the podium or whatever, they play the Imperial March. <laughs> yes, yeah. That didn't they do that before with him? Yeah, that was definitely the music uh, uh, behind shots of Burns Manor in Merkin years. They did yeah. that a few times. Yeah. Uh, though in this one, that was Alf Claus in there too, uh, doing a serviceable parody of Quincy Jones's Soul Bossa Nova. 
the uh do, 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 do. yeah which is a great song that's great i i do like homer's very adr did you say life story <laughs> that would have been a fine clip show context as well of just like you know what in a sequence homer's life through clips like his baby homer to child homer to teen homer to yeah yeah i gotta say the clip selection is odd and they're really in love with mom and pop arts in this <laughs> yeah. uh, clip show yeah and and when you dish upon a star <laughs> i you know with mom and pop art that has to be because gene wrote it and he knew that episode but i mean it's a good clip to make people go like yeah that's a great clip but it also to me, it reminded me of, oh, just great. Like, it's they're showing me a great drawing from it. And and as a kid, yes. And when I say kid, I mean 19-year-old. <laughs> as a 19-year-old, I saw Homer dressed as Gump. And when they get to a clip before they're done with the credits, I think I really did, like, fully check out then. I was like, motherfucker, they did. I'm watching a clip show that's Forrest Gump. Well, in the, like, earlier in the season, in the Blunder years, they, they start playing a clip of the Gorge Jump. And then Lisa says, Dad, everyone's heard that story. Yes, yeah. So they do they do a clip show fake out. They knew clip show sucks. Yeah. They knew, like, uh, man, it's... I also thought Homer's voiceover of I ate what my mother ate, it feels so specific as to must... I was like, it must be a reference, but Google came up short for that. Like, I, yeah. I couldn't find anything. And again, I miss the original dialogue, which is him going, another wonderful day in the womb. Yeah. And I'm all naked and wet. Yeah. Like, that's such a great line. But the, the chili gag is not funnier than what they came up Ugh, with uh, eight, I, eight years before, nine years before. I ate what my mother ate and what she ate was chili. It's like, it also... That doesn't fit for the characterization of Mona Simpson, that she's a woman who ate chili and farted all the time. It's <laughs> like what Homer as a baby in utero loved farting. Like, it's just it's lame. It's just it's a lame joke. They don't know Mona very well. Also, did you notice they they ping pong back and forth with with what Homer and Wiggum play the like first they have Wiggum say he doesn't want to hear his life story. Then they go back and Homer is going to tell more of his story that Wiggum wants to hear. And then Homer says, Hey, shouldn't you be doing your job? And then when it comes back the next time, Wiggum's like, okay, I got to go. It's like, <laughs> okay, so which is the one that doesn't want to do this? Like, why is it changing between scenes? Yeah. It's like the character's minds are white between clips. Yeah. Oh, also here's another cut that they did. From the original script. The undercover guy thing, not in the script where Wiggum outs a guy undercover who's clearly going to get killed. In the original script, they do a fake flashback at this point of the Run Forest Run uh, flashback <laughs> from it where Homer, though, doesn't have braces on his legs. He's chasing a kid who has leg braces, but then it's revealed that he's doing it because that kid keyed somebody's car. So Homer's trying to catch him after he did that. But then Homer, as a kid, is so out of shape, he can't catch up with the kid in leg braces. And that's the end of the scene. So. I'm glad they limited the Forrest Gump thing to the first minute of Forrest Gump. <laughs> and just the, yeah, just the framing device. We don't have to see a flashback to him. I mean, it's just so complicated of like Homer chasing a kid in leg braces, but he's doing it for a good reason. <laughs> Though also, like, Wiggum getting an undercover guy killed, they just did a better version of that joke in Trilogy of Error the year before. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, so then Homer cuts to a quick clip of his dad reading him stories, which is from the Kidney Trouble episode. The only, the, the best part of that episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the only one about not killing his father. <laughs> and I'll give him credit, too, that, mo like you said, most of the clips after season nine, 
but then they give you the uh the way we was one though i'll also give them credit for they could have picked a clip that wouldn't mean they'd have to relicense a carpenter song and save some more money but they use the scene with the carpenter song mm-hmm. so hey at least they did that and uh after that sweet scene it's then homer <laughs> abusing marge in the dance sequence from the episode where she's kidnapped by a biker gang i'll restate what i said a few years ago i love that he throws her back in time yes yeah. it's a very funny joke <laughs> And uh, even though they they highlight it with the owner of the place saying like, oh, I, I've never seen a man abuse his wife that much or whatever. But also the animation of Marge's hair being squished out from the spin is at least fun animation. Yeah, it's a well done scene. <laughs> then comes, uh, I think, my favorite <laughs> setup for a, a flashback here. Yeah. And life just gets more exciting. Marge, can we trade? I don't trust these guys. We've got to get home before someone sees us. You know, all this danger is kind of a turn. Okay. Then came the day that changes every couple forever. The day we got our elephant. <sighs> Just for no reason, a clip to Stampy. That's what's so great. And it's and that's not in the original script, unfortunately. I think uh, it's a great clip edition. It's, it's a funny surprise, but it's not even the funniest thing from that episode, really. No, no. Just like Stampy <laughs> arriving, a Jurassic Park reference, and then the pets get scared away. Uh, the, yeah, they could just go straight to... If I were to pick a clip, I'd be Homer saying like uh, his uh, pulling on his ear is cruel. Everything <laughs> I do is cruel. I I'd use that one instead. But yeah, just a great reference. To like, yeah, we also own an elephant. That's all. <laughs> also, I don't think they break the rule of Homer doesn't remember anything he wasn't party to. I think every clip, every clip that Homer remembers is a clip of Homer's memory, at least. After that, we also get Wiggum. Wiggum now wants to leave, but then he decides he's going to eat all the chocolates instead. And this is when Homer also brings up that Maggie shot his boss, which I guess they showed the shot of it in the montage at the end. But I kind of wish we'd have seen him get shot here, too. But so here's another big cut from the script, though. Before the family pulls up, Homer is then has a quick series of memories with Ralph, Disco Stew, and uh, Ralph and Disco Stew, who show up with Bumblebee Man to be like, "Do you have memories about us?" Hmm. So he has memories about Ralph and Disco Stew, but not Bumblebee Man, who then asks like, "Donde esta Bumblebee Man clips?" And Homer says like, eh, "Nobody really likes you, <laughs> so we don't have clips." I guess that. that's that's more following the Forrest Gump formula in that different people sit down next to him and he tells more of his story in the movie. Yeah, they don't have time for other character well they got it they got to get us to the to the <laughs> roast you know i wonder too if this really is just al Jean didn't want to negate the pitch of homer is forrest gump but he's like all right i'll give you four minutes of that and then we're gonna go to my idea for for a clip show which is a roast a dean martin style <laughs> one that's dated in a good way yeah. <laughs> so uh the family picks up homer which leads to a uh, a series of car memories <laughs> While I wait for my family, I'll tell you about the time my baby shot my boss. Hey, that's great, but I gotta get going. Whoa, there's a whole nother row of these bad boys. Keep talking. <laughs> it's time for your surprise, Dad. Yeah, hop in, Homer. Ah, oh, the family car. We've been through a lot together. Uh, uh, so points off because one of these clips is of Moe's car. Yes, yeah. he's Homer in his memory is mixed up about what his car it was. It's a funny clip. Yeah, oh yeah. 
Also, they're showing this is eight months after 9-11, and this episode was out of temporarily banned from the syndication package because this is the World Trade Center episode, which uh, they didn't do it for any like controversial things. They're just like, people in the syndication packages probably don't want to see Homer go to the World Trade Center after 9-11. They're traumatized. He can't use the bathroom. <laughs> all the jerks are in Tower 1 or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It'll. We all were raw at that time in 9-11, so I get it. But uh, So that actually makes having this clip of Homer with the boot on his car more special because they're showing a clip you can't currently watch in syndication. I remember waiting with bated breath before the release of season nine on dvd of thinking i had just a little inkling of like but what if they don't have the episode in the season because of all the of 9-11 fears but fortunately that was that was misplaced and it's it's not a banned episode i, I think it was only out of syndication for maybe 18 months or even a year or so yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was very brief but i still had a little fear of it of like uh, which is silly to think now but yeah so we see a bunch of stuff with homer's car i i'm glad they replayed that buck head sequence because the animators really did work hard on that yeah all just first person animation through the bucket holes uh, and and again this is from the previous podcast about it but that the animators got crap for taking too long on it they're like hey you guys took too long animating this thing i'm i'm glad whoever the director was on that brought it up as kind of like pulling out the receipts of hey remember when you complained this took too long but now it looks <laughs> great yeah how do you like that don't write a scene like this in the future <laughs> So after memories about the car, Homer and the family arrive. Now before we get there, you have to put this blindfold on. <gasps> All my other senses are getting sharper. Bart, you had pizza for lunch. Lisa, you're extremely depressed. <laughs> As if. Hey, Homer, do you remember this voice? Kathleen Turner? <laughs> no, it's me, Krusty. I'm here at the Springfield Friars Club, where tonight we're roasting you, Homer Simpson. Are the proceeds going to charity? <laughs> Hell no. Woohoo! <laughs> so, uh, I think too on my first watch, I feared they were going to do a This Is Your Life parody instead with the setup of Krusty saying, Do you know this voice? Because that's how uh, I've never watched a whole episode of This Is Your Life. But we all know the clip from our own childhoods of rerunning those black and white uh, specials from the 50s. Does the duck come down? Is that the show? Say the secret word, the duck comes down? No, no, that's uh, Beg You your, Bet Your Life. You Bet Your Life. Yeah, yeah that's the Groucho uh, game Wait, show. Wait, which, yeah. which, show, which uh, thing did you think this was? This Is Your Life. Oh, where... This Is Your Life, not You Bet Your Life. So yeah. that was not a Groucho uh, <laughs> thing. No, I thought, well, the one I think of is, I have seen the one with uh, Victor Price appears, yeah. where they're like, do you know this voice? And then you hear somebody say, Hello. Like, I feel like Mystery Science Theater parodied it a million times, and that's why we know it. Yeah, it's just like a re reuniting people uh, mm -hmm. from the past, and it was all about, like, showing emotions on stage, really. Yeah, which we don't need that for This Is Your Life. Like, reunions of things we're nostalgic for happen, like, every five days online. Like, it's... It, and we love it. We love it, don't we, folks? Every time we see the, like, 30 years of the Ghostbusters or whatever thing. I think this joke about Kathleen Turner is a little mean. <laughs> I think it's just a little... I mean, she does have a a sort of uh, gravelly voice she but. was she was on the show 
yes yeah isn't that i feel like this breaks one of their rules of like don't be mean to a previous guest kind of thing too which if they're gonna be this mean to kathleen turner saying that her voice sounds like crusties i want them to be at least this cruel to previous guest elon musk very soon they better be that mean. something next season and yeah the friars club roast they were uh mostly known for the dean martin things and you would see tv commercials for you know getting them on dvd or vhs but around this time this is when the comedy central roasts were really exploding yeah we were having a great time with the the first one i remember i believe was the drew carey friars club roast that aired on comedy central which i watched and yeah i'd never seen anything that like profane on tv and there's something there is something fun about the format of it it's why uh, of course because it's on comedy central they can get into pg-13 to our territory while meanwhile at least from the clips i've watched of the dean martin roast the fun was of them of innuendo that gets up to the edge but yeah. not not actually like calling somebody like a cunt on tv and bleeping it like on comedy central roast i i didn't i never liked these i'm sorry i just uh, i f i feel like they were too mean and too edgelordy and it's okay if you enjoyed them but uh not for me and it's like some of the comedians i hated the most were always on them which is why i loved sure sure it was either gilbert gottfried or north mcdonald or both they both did it uh, who did the same about. bit which is like we're gonna tell clean jokes uh completely with no like no underselling it just like commit to the bit and then and then move on yeah godfrey i think did that but his also one was he popularized the aristocrats joke that's why they made the whole doc about it because Speaking of 9-11, the story is that they did the Hugh Hefner roast right after 9-11, like within a month of it. And Gottfried came on and did a 9-11 joke, which was deemed too far by the audience and they were just in shock. So then he's able to get them back by doing the full aristocrats joke as filthy as he possibly can. But I liked it for a time, but I think it was once it just became like, let's find a celebrity who will agree to be made fun of on stage. Though also the other thing that bugged me was when I realized like they would have the celebrity, but then they would invite on as like secondary roast recipients on stage of like, hey, we're not going to do the B Arthur roast, but we will invite her to be on stage just so if the one comedian can't think of enough jokes to make fun of like Mike Tyson with, they instead can <laughs> say like, and hey, you know, B Arthur, she's a man. Like, and then just do horrible shit like that. I guess the old ones were funny because, or interesting because everyone was really dressed up and they were all like completely toasted as well. <laughs> and they all knew each other. When they got towards the end of the Comedy Central roast, they were, everyone was roasting people they fucking hated. Like yeah. the comedians didn't know uh, Charlie Sheen or Donald Trump or uh, David Hasselhoff. It was like, this is a stunt. Yeah. And these yeah. people will never talk to each other outside of this. See, that's why like the Drew Carey one was good. Or like the, I thought the Bob Saget one was kind of fun, but yeah. And of course there's the funny story of they did one for Chevy Chase and Chevy Chase came away from it going like, oh, everybody hates me, huh? Wow, <laughs> this, everybody was mean in a direct way. They were not loving about it. They were just like, fuck you. Like, and I think Shatner came away with the same feeling of like, oh, you all hate me, huh? Like, wow. But yeah, the, I mean, the nadir of it is likely the Donald Trump roast, I would say. Uh, Charlie Sheen one's close, and the roast of Pamela Anderson, at the very least, she did have friends come on stage. Like Tommy Lee of Motley Crue, her ex, came on stage and made jokes about how, uh, about their sex tape and about 
how it was Kid Rock who gave her Hep C, not Tommy Lee, and that she he got all the heat for it or something. But mm. they are also from a completely other time now. But, oh, last thing I'll say about the roast was, I said once on a podcast that I thought it was great that somebody on a roast told Ann Coulter to kill herself uh, because she was on stage. And he's like, it's not too late, Ann. You can still kill yourself. And somebody said like, hey, you know, I don't like Ann Coulter either, but you should make, I was like, no, nope, not. You shouldn't make jokes about that, about a lot of people. Ann Coulter, you can totally do that. You should do it to her face every day. You should make jokes like that, it's, I think. It's so interesting how people like that who were uh, the trolls of 20 years ago, the conservative trolls, They've been outlapped a billion times. Yes, yeah, they can't. You think Ann Coulter's getting calls from Kanye West for yes. this stuff? Like, yeah, we are. We are just uh, a few weeks beyond Kanye West saying, you know, well, let's not be too mean about Hitler, guys. Yeah. Honestly, we cannot predict where he will be yeah. in three weeks from now, like, or if he's even still alive. But uh, yeah, the I did pull up a couple uh, commercials for the best of VHSs of the roast. That's how I learned about the roast. I didn't know, even though it's so obvious when you, especially the logo behind Homer. Yeah. Man of the hour. It, it is the big circular Dean Martin roast style, but yeah, the, uh, the best of D, uh, VHS commercial I saw, it had two jokes I liked on it. One, they just had Ruth Buzzy there in character as her old maid character from Laugh-In. And they have a joke of her saying, it's on Sinatra's row. She says like, and Sinatra, he gave away my hope chest. <laughs> and then he says, I seen your chest lady. It ain't got no hope. But um, Nice. Whoever wrote that for him uh, points <laughs> to you. And the other one was Dean Martin was roasting Johnny Carson and he said, He's in your bedroom every night, and that's why his wife left him. But um, <laughs> which you know, that's funny because it is about a real divorce. I, you know, I laugh at that. I said these were classier, but it's important to remember that all the men were monsters. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. They they beat their wives. <laughs> they had people killed. They they cheated. They drank. They uh, bad bad men. All their jokes about like, oh, this guy really likes the ladies. It's like, well, he, you know, I feel like these are less than consensual things they're talking about back in the seventies, but. So what's better, the Dean Martin PG roast or the filthy star fucking Comedy Central roast? Which which are worse? <laughs> it's hard but, to say. But yeah, they do seem to be dead now. I I haven't heard of a roast in a while. The uh, I feel like Comedy Central it would get them huge ratings every year, but I think it did get too expensive for them. And Comedy Central is about cutting costs now. You know, uh, and we are in a time of sensitivity. I think, which is good. I'm not complaining about it, but. People get canceled for old tweets. People lose jobs for old tweets. When the brand of comedy was, I'm going to say the most offensive thing possible. But of course, you know, I don't mean it. Yeah. It was yeah. a contest that we were all part of, which is why like Michael Ian Black's feed was just like AIDS and killing baby jokes for the first like three years. And now it's just him being very online and very uh, liberal kind of guy. Yeah. But I mean, we yeah. in the late aughts, it was like. Which baby can have AIDS? Let's make the joke. That was every... Yeah. yeah. We, we, we all thought that was the competition to write those jokes. They suck now. They're not... It Times change. And, you know, I was thinking of Michael Ian Black as well because I was like, God, I wish he'd get off Twitter because, you know, Michael Showalter is just a successful film director now. Not even of, like, his goofy niche comedy films. He just directs, like, real movies now. Like, he, he directed that gay terminal disease romance film of the of the holidays spoiler alert oh that's his movie he directed that well, yeah yeah it's... i think michael ian black should leave twitter because uh, david wayne michael showalter they've done me no harm yeah michael ian black is stinking up my feet every day yeah it's i i'm just so sad about yeah. it he you know he's on the right side but he is one of those how dare you sir kind of yeah. men and also he loves the mccain family he wrote the book with megan mccain 
that's really when it all fell apart between, between me and Michael Ian Black. Yeah, you can you can be that annoying of a lib on Twitter if you just don't punch left. You know, yeah. it's like that's really and he did. He he became an anti Bernie guy like others, and just yeah, it's sad. I just and it's also funny because on Stella on State he would do the darkest jokes out of anybody. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like those were a product of a very different kind of humor. And I think that kind of humor still happens, but we just don't film it anymore. Yes. And we don't yeah. celebrate it. I mean, yes, you can make dark jokes. You can make fucked up jokes. You can still find those funny, but it's not proper to, uh, you know, publicly be viewed as that kind of a person anymore. So mm, yeah. uh, you don't want to be, be filmed making a joke like that or laughing at a joke like that anymore. And, you know, in a context free zone like social media, especially Twitter, that's one of the worst places to do a joke like that now. Like, yeah, I mean, look at the, the James Gunn stuff. That was like very much the kind of humor. He was a fucking guy who wrote for Troma. Yes. Yeah, he was. Of course, he was doing edgelord humor then. Yeah, but. All right, but yeah, why don't we let's let's go back to uh, jokes about the seventies, which I'm also glad that Bart and Lisa are here to say this is a dated reference, and who even fucking gets this in in our next clip? We're all here tonight for one reason: to keep Homer away from the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <gasps> that was at my expense. What kind of a roast is this? Now I'd like to read some telegrams from people who couldn't make it. First, we have Mark Spitz. Who's Mark Spitz? What's a telegram? Ah, <laughs> oh, forget it. I gotta get to the hot wings before the comic book guy. <laughs> you know, Lisa, they say father knows best. That's true, Bart. Our father knows the best way to embarrass his kids. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. But seriously, we've had a lot of fun with our dad over the years. And that Hibbert Nelson Burns thing seems random, but Algin explains what it is. On the commentary, he says that on those old roasts, they would often reuse the same reaction shots, often with people who weren't actually in the audience. <laughs> I see. That, that's a great gag then, yes. Yeah, yeah, so if someone had a really strong reaction to a joke, they would repeat that reaction <laughs> throughout the roast. See, you know, those roasts being pre-taped and then edited, it's like, you could tell when somebody bombed because they either talk way less than everybody else or they cut to laughter that seems better than it should have been. Yeah, it's, uh, it's but to know on the old things, like, oh, yeah, he mentioned on the commentary, he says, like, what, uh, Gary Coleman. They're like, they cut to Gary Coleman, like, wait, he, why would he be here for this? And also Mark Spitz, basically the Michael Phelps of the 70s, to the point where Michael Phelps overrode all of his records. Yeah, nobody remembers, I mean... I don't know how much people even remember Phelps now, but... Uh, I, I think his <laughs> records all still stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I think... Uh, as much as anyone cares about Olympic swimming. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, they care when America breaks records with it, briefly, and if it's a telegenic guy, which he was like, you know, a goofy-looking... He was a, a fit, goofy-faced stoner, which yeah, there was a certain likability to Phelps. I, As I recall, his SNL wasn't very good. None of the sports guys are good in SNL. <laughs> Though they did write a good sketch for him where it was an ad for the Michael Phelps diet, where it was basically like people getting very fat doing the <laughs> carbo-loading that Michael Phelps did. Yeah, he ate like 12,000 calories a day. Yes, yeah. Which that was a that's a that was at least a good joke that didn't depend on his acting. Also, I also do like uh, I got to get to the hot wings before comic book guy. That's a fun muttering. Uh, these I don't know if it, they're just having fun, but none of these clips really follow the the setup where it's like here's us having fun with dad. It's like 
that's them doing the uh, Grift of the Magi third act with Homer stealing the Funzos. It's them nagging Homer to take them to Mount Splashmore. And then it does not involve Homer at all. They're watching the, the Pokemon parody in Tokyo. They all have seizures. Homer just comes in and joins them. Maybe they wanted to see if they could give people seizures one more time <laughs> with it. I, I suppose all three are clips that involve Homer, Bart, and Lisa, technically. I mean, the the Pokemon one really is is uh, stretching the definition of a scene with the three of them at it. Yeah, but I guess if we're thinking about the canonization of new classics, I think the, the Pokemon seizure thing is now kind of a meme. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. meme more often than other things from that era. Yeah, it's also interesting the Mount Splashmore thing is not in the script, and the script does call out clips, and this one, though, it being added afterwards, that to me feels like them padding for time. They're like, well, these repetition ones are, are very good, very good for filling time. But I will say that the next setup does work. And I like how it's a compilation of all things Dan Castellaneta kind of just ad-libbed. Yes. Yeah. Which doesn't that also feel like Dan Castellaneta like pitches it like, how about a scene of me singing songs? Like, how about that? I Oh, you know, one other thing I meant to mention in the good lines from the script thing Instead of Kathleen Turner, it had a better joke that I wish they'd have kept. Homer thought his voice was William Hickey. Oh, okay, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. But nobody knew who Hickey was in 2002. See, isn't that doesn't that really tell you the difference in this era, Simpsons versus the other? They they would have definitely in a Bill and Josh season done a joke about the quite dead old man William Hickey as a voice. Bill and Josh wanted William Hickey to play uh, Don Brodka right. on March Be Not Proud. Uh, but he, uh, uh, the cigarettes came for him too soon. It's true, it's true. But yes, we, we have a long sequence of uh, of Homer's many songs. And I was just thinking of this song uh, this last week when shaving my own shoulders. <laughs> you know, What do you I, do, uh, straight razor? Uh, no, the electric covers it just fine. Well, mm. so I have very, I am not Mr. Hairy Shoulders, uh, but I just have a sparse like 10 hairs that look weird in being there instead of, I uh, you know, if I had hairy shoulders, I actually probably would let it grow out. But it being just <laughs> grow like out your shoulders, <laughs> right, want to comb them. <laughs> but instead, when it's just a sparse uh, amount of them, I, I do shave them off eventually. And every time I think a Homer song. Well, everyone should know that I'm built like a satyr and that the hair <laughs> is just from the waist down. I see. Uh, that's uh, see, I, I have I have more upper body hair than I thought I would have. I was a late bloomer on it, though. But but enough about our hair. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, Homer sings a bunch of songs. Uh, then we get, I think, a good fake out of uh, uh, letting you think there's going to be a guest star in this one. And now our next speaker is Mr. Warmth himself, C. Montgomery Burns. I stand here to expose the criminal ineptitude of Homer J. Simpson. Again and again, he has brought this town to the brink of annihilation. <laughs> Why are you laughing? His bungling has shortened your lives and mutated your children. <laughs> Just look at all of his catastrophic nincompoopery. <laughs> Poop. It's one of those rare times where Burns knows who Homer is and knows that he's bad at his job. And is here to bring him to justice. Yeah. Uh, so I bet you're wondering, why is Carl talking when Lenny isn't talking? Well, that's another cut joke from the script. So... When he says bungling, uh, Burns says bungling, first Lenny has a reaction of ha ha bung to then set up Carl laughing at poop. 
But I guess they figured, eh, you know what, Carl laughing at poop, good enough. I That's... never hear uh, bung. I always hear bung hole. We're not talking mm. about the bung enough. Uh, yeah, bung, bung's funny enough on its own. I, I don't know why they cut Lenny saying it or if they animated it or not. But yeah, it's just just Carl the episode. And yeah, when, when Krusty introduces Mr. Warmth, I do think the, the joke is to fake you out for just a second of like, we got Don Rickles for the episode. <laughs> like, that's even the name of his documentary. That oh, okay. was his nickname. We Mr. all know Warren. what happened with Don Rickles and the Simpsons. Yes, it's a long, long story. They never made up. But uh, in terms of predicting classic clips, this, he's about to do something stupid. That has become a classic, and especially in the era of Elon Musk. Yes. Oh, God. And, yeah, I've seen that so many times. Yeah. And other, other famous stupid rich guys, so mm. there you have it. <laughs> uh, and I also love that Homer just says it in the perfect way of like, now if you excuse me, I, and I have to give my fondue and just turns to it. I I wish though they'd kept a bit of them laughing at the city Homer destroyed. Like, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we, we then have one of Homer at the fire drill, which I was like, well, why are they doing that instead of like the actual meltdowns he caused? I'm surprised they have a, a fake meltdown instead. Also, I wish they'd have kept a bit where where Burns says, "You've won, all right. You've won more than you bargained for." And Homer's <laughs> thinking that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, and then here's another cut thing from the script: they have Burns going off the stage because he says afterwards from the clips, Homer should be disemboweled and strung up like a duck in a Chinese restaurant, which offends the audience, and they boo him off the stage, and Krusty then tells him, like, I told you, you don't follow the clips. You just let the next person go on stage. <laughs> I guess uh, ethnic humor was a uh, hallmark of those uh, roasts, oh, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just re-watching Mr. Show with my husband, and we got to the classic episode, Please Don't Kill Me, uh, which... Dr. X kills a Don Rickles style guy in Chicago uh, that David Cross is playing because he right. makes ethnic humor. He's like, I do not like ethnic humor. I'm going to kill you. And he blows up Chicago. I so. like how on the commentary for that, Bob Odenkirk uh, kind of hints that maybe Dr. Evil was ripped off. <laughs> I love that. Or sorry, I, maybe Dr. Evil ripped that character off. Yeah, yeah. I, I like them throwing stones at his, his old co-worker on SNL, Mike <laughs> Myers. <laughs> You know, those commentaries are the best for when they shit on SNL. I always love that. Because they're all at terrible low points of their careers. Yes. Yeah. So this was when it hit me of like, oh, right. In this era, Agnes Skinner just becomes Phyllis Diller. Like this is, they already did it in the short stories one. She does the laugh. Uh, they even draw it out in case you don't get it. But in this case, she also has the J-Lo dress on. Yeah, to really complicate things. Uh, and just to make it clear... Even more clear, in the script it says Phyllis Diller laugh. They they write that for Agnes. But yeah, I guess, uh, did, did you look up the, the, the history on the green Versace dress of Jennifer Lopez? I just saw that it was part of the 2000 uh, Grammys. Yes, yeah. It, it was all the rage because of its revealing nature. Now, again, this is at the early era of internet pornography. <laughs> uh, but yes, it was exciting that... A beautiful woman who's famous, like Jennifer Lopez, shows up in a backless dress that also shows all of her legs and most of the middle of her torso. Some inner boob. Yes, a lot. It was a great time for side boob and inner boob, uh, folks. It was cutting edge, uh, though. So, yes, it was uh, designed by Versace. It actually got worn at a, another award ceremony uh, by Ginger Spice herself, Jerry Hollowell, but it didn't make the same splash as it would a month later when J-Lo wore it at the 42nd Grammys, February of 2000, and she was there with her boyfriend at the time, 
Sean P. Diddy Puffy Combs. Oh, I forgot they dated. I, I did too. I, I'm seeing that she wore it again in 2020. That's right. Yes. During COVID, I guess. <laughs> right before. Oh, right, right before? before? Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I remember her on stage with it at the Grammys because she's presenting with David Duchovny. And David Duchovny has the clever line of like, for the first time in six years, I know nobody's looking at me. <laughs> uh, but they did a Versace fashion show where... I think they had some sort of ad deal with Google because before she came out, they talked about the dress because they said it was why Google created Google image search because everybody was searching for that image in the year 2000 that they built Google image search just to narrow it down to images of that dress. So they're advertising it of like for the anniversary of Google images. And then they say, Hey, but enough of seeing pictures of the dress. Let's see the real thing. And out comes uh, J-Lo, you know, just a few years ago, still looking uh, uh, fantastic in in the dress once more. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously, very beautiful woman. It's surprising, though, how far butt technology has come in 20 years. <laughs> uh, I, I remember a thread saying, remember when we all thought J-Lo had a big butt? And then it's like, here are the new big butts. Yes, big butts. Uh, I... I guess we can thank blame the Kardashians for that. I suppose they they really popularized large cabooses and and remember the jokes on Simpson like Simpsons and other shows in the nineties were oh look at her big butt as a negative mm-hmm. like you you do not hear big butts as a negative anymore you know no more of this guilt over butts instead people are getting the BBLs uh, <laughs> the dangerous BBLs uh, but yeah so. The joke is that Agnes is wearing it, and uh, yes, uh, her and Abe have some comedy. Now, here's a couple that's been dating. Carbon dating. (laughs) Grandpa Simpson and Agnes Skinner. Sweet Toledo, what's keeping that dress on? The collective will of everyone in this room. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) You fruits wouldn't know what to do with me. I first met Homer in 1927 in a bar in Brooklyn. Little did I know he would soon become Mrs. Joe DiMaggio. (laughs) Roll the clips. Now, look, is it a kind of homophobic joke? Maybe. But I I really do love the delivery of you fruit. Like she hits the air so hard on it. (laughs) Just saying about like, oh, you say I'm ugly. You you guys are too gay to know how to have sex with a beautiful woman like me. And honestly... For a woman her age, she looks good in the J-Lo dress. It's a really weird era for Agnes Skinner because it is it is the gross-out comedy era as well because she went from, like, sweet old lady in her first appearance to, like, horrible battle axe before this, and now she's, like, slutty grandma. Yeah, it was what well, it was so the slutty grandma era. Uh, you know, on WWF television at the time, to let you know how deep we were into slutty grandma era, they hired back two female wrestlers who were big in like the 50s to wrestle in their like 70s and 80s and the joke was they would appear in bikinis occasionally okay uh, (laughs) yes yeah they they were old carnies they loved being on tv again i'm sure they liked the attention yeah well and one of them uh later was outed as like a full-on sex criminal and just Her name is Fabulous Moolah. You can look it up for yourself. She alive? No, no. She's quite dead, thankfully. Uh, Get this, Bob, because she controlled female wrestling across the United States for a few decades. 
that power led her to do horrible things to mm. women who wanted to break into pro wrestling. We have to shut down all wrestling. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, hey, it's not bad. No, no <laughs> way. Maybe it is still bad. Uh, look, hey, all entertainment is bad, Bob. Even know? us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yes, then they just for no reason cut to clips of Homer being hurt, which is always funny. Again, but they predicted stupid sexy Flanders. They knew future classic. Yeah, it's this replaces the gorge scene. The gorge scene had gotten so played out. You know what? This one works better because not only do you get to see Ned Flanders' amazing butt, talk more about appreciating butts better these days. You also get to see Homer get hit in the crotch many times in a row. I feel like that part is not referenced, but the stupid sexy Flanders part is the the crotch hitting is so great. And then yeah. how Homer asked for another ride up the hill. <laughs> yeah, he and and like we said the last time we talked about this, Ned's butt is a great drawing, but so is the grouse on Homer's face. Like that's also why people remember it too. Like just the look on his face is so funny. And that it's not him being like, Ew, I'm grossed out. He is upset that he thinks Flanders is so sexy. Yeah, it's an off-model like grimace, but it's so funny. (laughs) Then we get the beach sequence from Dish Upon a Star again, which it's really long. They use, uh, you know, if it was up to me, I'd have cut half of this beach sequence and shown Maggie with the nail gun. That's good Homer violence too. Yeah, where was that? Uh, This is that. This is not a classic clip. No, I forgot where it was from. It takes too long too. It's like I felt it when we did the episode the first time. It's like. You know, it's like Homer cycles back around. He goes up, he smacks around on people on the beach, they get away from the beach, he goes up in the air again, and then he goes down again. It's like, I don't know, it was such a cycle, like you could cut half of it. But uh, then, of course, to let you know that it's the year 2002, we have a joke about hooking up. (laughs) Hey, Abe, you want to hook up after the show? Yeah, to a suicide machine. Aha, ha, ha. Ah, now everyone knows Homer loves his family. I'm sick of your lies. Secrets and lies. It's always secrets and lies. Homer, these people are professional roasters. Don't give them fodder. (laughs) Secrets and lies. So yeah, we have the hottest topic of 2002, hookups, <laughs> yes. and then the hottest topic of 1992, suicide machines. Yeah, wow, it's a it's a double whammy, isn't it, man? The yeah, hookup hookup culture. Everybody was worried about this. What if people? I mean, one night stands existed long before people were talking about hookup culture. Like people have just like one time uh, sexual encounters with people and then move on. I guess it's really about branding, just like the branding of the term friends with benefits is like mm. but people always like read friends they fuck every now and then uh with no strings attached like yeah that's now we always... have apps to facilitate this oh man it's it's easier than ever for people of all persuasions yeah and yeah suicide machine joke which obviously gina reese loves so much they even made up the uh the dr krikorian gag from uh the critic with that suicide machine and there was a suicide machine joke in jaws wired shut yeah you're right homer, yeah which just gave him sexual release <laughs> yes yeah homer does come uh, on screen <laughs> and uh i double check this i know it just sounds like i'm saying well he said the name of the movie so it must be a reference but that line is basically said in Michael Lee's 1996 film, Secrets mm. and Lies, uh, which I've always been meaning to watch. It does look like a good, you know, story about uh, 
class and race relations in East London and full of great acting and all that. But it's on HBO Max now if you guys want to give it a watch. Uh, Secrets and Lies. It's very odd that the stakes don't come in until after the third act break. (laughs) Also, I don't feel like a clip show needs stakes, Mm -hmm. but they always have them in the Simpsons clip shows, except for like the Troy McClure hosted one. Yeah, you're right. The another Simpsons clip show, it's about Will Homer and Marge divorce because they learn love is a lie or it's Homer in a coma, or it's a gun. I mean, Dave Merkin's use of it for uh, a gun being pointed at them at every commercial break is the best. It's the funniest one. It's so artificial. (laughs) Homer's butt sticking out, by the way, is very funny to me as well. It's a good trying, but... But hey, if, as long as we're being uh, living in musty old references here, how about the Smothers Brothers? Now let's welcome Springfield's original God Couple, Reverend Lovejoy and Ned Flanders. Thank you so much. The camp town ladies sing this song. Do-da, do-da. Homer Simpson's breath is strong, oh, the doodah. Hey, hey, now hold on there. The nice people want to hear the real words. But, Ned, I was singing the real words. Oh, let's just take it from the top. The Camp Town ladies sing this song. Doodah, doodah. The Camp Town racetrack's five miles long. That's better. Homer's breath smells bad. Oh, those are not the words. Silence! Seesaw quips and comebacks. Look, you weren't in dress rehearsal, so you're not in the show. Ah! This can't be good for my pacemaker. All right, well, let's talk about Smothers Brothers first. I love those guys. I got to see them as a kid. Really? Yeah. Okay. uh, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, my mom grew up loving them, and my dad even tolerated them, though. (laughs) uh, You would think with their anti-war liberalism, he wouldn't, but... I feel like they had, like, the narrowest slice of fame, but it really carried them through the decades, and they were introduced to me as, you know, the fun yo-yo and banjo folks. And then later in life, I find out, like, they're the most controversial uh, comics of the Vietnam era, and they're pulled off TV. I know, yeah. And their show was only on for, like, two or three seasons. It's shocking that they got in that much trouble for it, because, yeah, they, they got their own show because they were just a staple of variety television, you know, from the 50s into the 60s. And they toured for forever, always on stage, and, yeah, they did, like, a carnival uh, or, a, you know, a, a state fair, basically, in Florida when I was a kid. And my parents, my mom especially, so excited to see them. And even me as a kid, I was like, oh, this is funny. But obviously, the, my in was comedy about brothers. Like, the, the brother comedy of older and younger brother, that's what pulled me in. And and as a Muppet fan, I also just liked old music, which mm. is what they played. Their musty old folk music. Were they on the Muppet show? They had to be. I think so. Okay. I think, yeah. Well, they were on The Simpsons. Yeah, they, you know, they, on the commentary, what they're talking about how the episode is about to air, like they had uh, pretty recently done it. Yeah, it aired on December 13th, 2009. The episode is called Oh Brother, Where Bart Thou? You know what? When you're parroting, I, I know they've gotten up to like six times with, with Old Man in the Sea. But 
think of a different title. You guys already did Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Don't do another one. This is a, a slam-packed guest star episode. It's not just the Smothers Brothers. It's Peyton Manning. It's Eli Manning. It's Cooper Manning. It's Kim Cattrall. It's Huel Hauser. Huel Hauser. And Jordan Nagai. Wow, man, that is a that is a busy episode. That's by the way, he was the little kid in Up. I had to look it up. Oh, okay, the Up boy, got it. All right, man, the Smother Brothers getting overshadowed. Though I think I think I like that better that they're just part of a Brothers episode instead of like the boy that Cheech and Chong episode they did. That's about how great Cheech and Chong are, and they're just in it so much. I was like, this episode's not very good. Was that a Simpsons? That was a Simpsons episode. I must have yeah. missed this one. It's not good. Okay, well, basically it's. It kind of follows the same plot as the Siskel and Ebert episode of The Critic where Homer like joins them as a third man in the act. It's uh, I just remember I haven't watched it in a long time. I remember thinking it was a lame episode. But yeah, of course, as kids, we also did love Yo-Yo Man. Like, I think that's where he got promoted the most. Maybe he did Yo-Yo Man on like Sesame Street or something. And that's where we saw it. But if I may critique this episode more, this is miscasting. Ned should be the one annoying Lovejoy. That is the natural way their characters work. So Ned should be uh, the younger Smothers brother and Lovejoy should be Hmm. the older one at the base who goes like, hey, now, now, that's not the name of the song. In terms of characters, though, Ned is the more wholesome character. That's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, Though I think uh, Shearer does a good job of playing them saying lines they heavily prepared like they their delivery is not spur of the moment he is acting like they are acting and not great actors. oh yeah it's both harry shearer voices i, <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot about that and yeah also ufo lands oh yes yeah then ufo <laughs> lands but I, I think that did annoy me <laughs> oh man i hated it i hated it so much kang and kodos appearing in a non-treehouse episode made me so mad that was like they draw it later in the episode but at the time, I thought this is jumping the shark. Kang and Kodos can't leave Treehouse episode. And then maybe like 15 years later, they make uh, them part of the Simpsons canon, right? They're like in an episode officially? Yes, yeah. Okay. It's, but uh, this, this is canon. This actually happened. Yeah, it is. I mean, they on the commentary, well, Grainy at least has a good joke about it about like, no, this one isn't canon. It's a fictitious episode of Simpsons. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's. They're all imaginary stories, as the saying goes in superhero comics. Like, so what counts, what doesn't count? But I still say, as as we've long said on the show, that yes, it can be arbitrary what's canon, what isn't canon. Maybe people take it too seriously, people like me. But if they don't take it seriously at all, then it does signal to the audience to care less about the show as well. Which, you know, you don't want to rub people's face in it too much that you don't care about the the continuity mm-hmm. of the show. Like I and honestly, I wish Krusty was actually killed with that laser. That would make it more clear this is a non canon episode. Yeah, I forgot how it went and I was waiting for him to die. But it feels like hedging, yeah. The aliens do point out that the creationist view of, you know, history is correct. <laughs> I do like that. Yes. And they do the sign of the cross. <laughs> it's a very W era joke because George W. Bush was a born-again Christian. That's how most people learned about the extreme view of American Christianity of like, no, the talk about people taking canon too seriously. Yeah, They're like, uh, you work backwards from the ages of characters in the Bible and say, so the the, the earth is only 5,000 year old. And I don't know if this is in the script, Henry, what you have access to, but I don't think this probe was a helmet. I feel like they were reaching for something <laughs> else and they're like, let's make it a helmet. You also, know, that one I don't know. Probe joke. Jokes 
2002. They made a joke about how probing has explored all the limits in 1997, right? 90, or 96, yeah. It was, uh, the election one. I yeah. think that was the writer saying these probe jokes are pretty lame, but then they they did them after that. Yeah, the I hate a probe joke. The only reason I like it at all is because Mo accuses them of stealing his bit. Like I just I love like when he says word for word with his own crappy helmet that he was going to put on Homer, <laughs> that's fun. I did laugh at that. I'm glad Mo posted bail. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Uh, he he went in and out very quickly. And Hibbert left, changed out of his Darth Vader costume and put on the tux uh, to laugh along with it. <laughs> then we get a joke about turning to Channel 3, which uh, now the joke is turn to HDMI, HDMI 2. Like, no, no, it's on that HDMI. Do that one. I label my HDMI channels. Oh, oh, hey, yeah, you know what? On my Roku TV, it auto does it, actually. I, I think my like, Sony one does, too. It's like, I know this is a PS5. Oh, man, our Sony one uh, in, the, in the bedroom, when the PS5 was uh, attached to it, we had to eventually do like a back end for it, but like the second we turned on the PS5, it sent a signal to the Sony TV that's like, hey, we heard your PS5 just turned on. You want to go to the PS5 channel right now, right? Which I get that they do that for convenience, but it was very inconvenient. It's like, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, I was still I was still on my Xbox. What's what are you doing here? Uh so I'll tell you what isn't in the script, the choking montage. That's not uh, in in the script. You know what? It's hard to watch this much choking out of context. Yes. And yeah. I, I like how John Frank is on the commentary and he says, when I joined the show, I never liked this. But then I eventually <laughs> got into what they're trying to do. But when I started on the show, I didn't know why you were still doing this. <laughs> Another thing, I think there is some secret Dana Gould bashing happening on this uh, commentary. You're right. Uh, we love Dana Gould, by the way. But... John Frink says, you know, I took classes at the Groundlings and it helped me, you know, pitch jokes and become a better performer. I was the guy known for doing bits too long <laughs> and right. trying to sell jokes for too long. That's what John Frink said. And uh, I think it is, who's the guy with the raspy voice? Oh, Tom Gamble. Yeah, Tom yeah. Gamble. Yes. He says that you don't want to hire stand-ups because they've had a few in the office <laughs> and they just do their act every day and you hear it too much. And I'm like, that sounds like Dana Gold. <laughs> I've listened to Dana Gold podcast a lot for about 10 years. And yes, he does do the same bits a lot. We repeat our own stories a lot too, but we don't finally hone them into a tight 30 minutes. Yeah, the the... Good and bad thing about Dana Gould as a guy you hear on podcasts or commentaries is that his comedic persona just it is on all the time. Like he he always has a joke like I've heard on some commentaries he's turned it down a little bit. And this is the sign of him being a great performer. I don't want to just make this sound like we're like saying Dana Gould sucks or whatever. But I could see that if you're working your nine to five job as a comedy writer and you're used to some comedy writers turning down the volume at a certain point and like eating Butterfinger BBs instead is a guy who's always on maybe will tire you out a yeah, little bit. Yeah, especially a lot of writers are probably introverts and they're <laughs> like socially awkward and they uh, they just want to get the day over with. <laughs> and if you're a prematurely old man like Tom Gamble who sounded old like 20 <laughs> years ago, probably you're even more tired of that. But yeah, you're right. They are vague tweeting about uh, about Dana Gould there. I mean, Dana Gould is the most famous stand-up who's written for the show for almost a decade. Yeah, there's, I mean... Certainly guys like Mike Scully were stand-ups. Yeah. Also, I mean, the way he's describing it as a negative, this is also all the stuff that the writers on the commentary say they loved about working with Conan O'Brien, that he never <laughs> stopped. Would they have loved it if they worked for, with him for more than 18 months, though? <laughs> or if they didn't go to college with him? Yeah, that too. College pals like, it's him? our friend Conan! <laughs> is this fun? Yeah, I mean, 
nobody who didn't have fun in that room with Conan all the time would have the guts to say it now because they'd be like, <laughs> well, I'm not insulting the most powerful man in podcasts. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that now Conan is like, he's not Rogan level, but he's close of like powerful podcasts. If he does a Simpsons podcast, we have to stop him. We do. We he will really become do. our enemy. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's just a, uh, uh, any day now. The only reason he wouldn't do it is because it would probably be too time consuming. He seems like he tries to keep a cap on like 30 minutes per recording session for him. Which Coward. <laughs> uh, but hey, uh, you know, if he wants to sign us to the Team Coco label... Uh, you know we're we're listening. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take the dirty money. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So seeing all the stranglings in a row also shows you how they increase in violence over time. Like seeing a bat. Well, actually, they're not back to back. There's one in between. But two in a row of Homer, like not using his hands, but instead a wire, like that actually is even worse. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then Bart like hitting it with the phone, and they're both getting tired. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's uh, it's really uh, it's really uh, a lot to see back to back. <laughs> they even talk about when we we used to go to colleges, is what they say on the commentary way back in the day. And uh, we would show itchy and scratchy clips and the audience gets kind of tired of it after about 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a long watch. I I also like that they do use All Makes You Good, what, a very recent clip, but it perfectly closes out a sequence of Homer violence. And even then, that was a clip in Children of a Lesser Clyde. Yeah. They showed yeah. that as a clip. Uh, right. Right. God, man, that was that was also just a clip show, too, or just a moment of it. But. So then after that, we then get to hear that Maggie has some memories too, which is seemingly what's going to save the day. We see only two clips of sweetness. I think that even shows the like the writers were like, we can't do more. We don't want to have more than two clips of a, of a saccharine scene. Let's show all the star fucking we've done. <laughs> so, okay, isn't that funny that right before all the celeb bullshit, it's not Liz Taylor. Like that's yeah. yeah. Actually, they don't even notice on the commentary. They just mentioned, oh, Liz Taylor wasn't she great? I, I guess they had to pay her or get the rights again or something. I don't know what was going on, but that's Nancy dubbing the daddy a yeah. voice in uh, Lisa's first word. I think it is that it's a per appearance thing that they signed a contract of like I will appear in this episode, but you can't reuse my scenes so much, and you you have to get permission a second time and i think liz taylor for some reason didn't grant it uh it's also worth noting in the script jasper johns britney spears and venus and serena williams are also both mentioned for the star fucking sequence that follows this <laughs> they're not in it and it does make me think that other people didn't agree to be reused in the clip show and all the clips you see of celebs in this are people who agreed with it uh, and that Liz Taylor didn't. But yes, I I, I have uh, the clip here of the not Liz Taylor daddy here. <laughs> I hope you never say a word. Daddy. <laughs> it worked, Mom. Maggie's memories have shown them humanity's inner goodness. These are not tears. We are vomiting from our eyes. Your baby's treacle has only intensified our loathing. Wait! Look at the screen. The baby continues to reminisce. <laughs> Elton John! That's my name. Well, not really. I do love the baby continues to reminisce. Maggie it's wasn't there to see Elton John meet Apu. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this is where it all breaks <laughs> down, but... 
I like this as it's a kind of them dunking on themselves for how much they were overdoing celebrities, especially in the like five most recent years of the show. But also this montage really shows you how badly they were doing. Wow. Celebrity name back then. And like the bad thing is that not only do they show you this as them recognizing that they do it too much, they don't do it any less after this. Like they, they do it even more. So, you know, there's, we're coming up on strummer vacation. Oh, pretty soon. That, that's a, Hey, it's that guy, yeah. uh, a series of those. Yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, the credits for Lisa's first word. And she is credited as special guest voice. Mm. I don't know if that's a different designation than what they normally do. I wonder. Yeah, you know, maybe that was. I'm certain Liz Taylor. Well, also she was getting on in years and probably wasn't replying to many people then. But yeah, I, I wonder if that special guest voice uh, denoting to is her saying like, "Nah, you can't get me again." Though, though she did. I'm sure they were recorded back to back. But she, in the same season, was in Krusty gets canceled as well. Though they're also, Jean says different on the commentary, like, no, she liked doing it. But there is a famous story that she got mad with how many times she had to say daddy in uh, in in the recording. And how she was hitting on uh, David Silverman. Yeah, yeah. I would say, Silverman, you know, go, go for it, man. Hey, go for it. The Elton John one's the only one, or the, the big one I want to bring up just because I did see Elton John in concert for his last show that he did in San Francisco. At least that's how it was advertised. We'll see if, if in a few years he doesn't want to do another billion-dollar tour. I think he's going to get bored again. <laughs> uh, but during it, his third-to-last song uh, is I'm Still Standing, and it's behind him on the video screen is clips of him appearing in, I think, almost every movie or TV show he ever appeared in, and this clip is in there too, uh, right? I think it's followed directly by his appearance on South Park as well. So. Oh, was that when when he was not playing himself or just being referenced? Uh, no, he was at Chef Aid. Okay. He actually, it's the real Elton John at Chef Aid. But yes, they referenced him as singing the song about an elephant fucking a pig. Or right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you I know, think singing "Love Gravy." That's right. That was a song. And you know what? They at least get to troll Justin Timberlake one more time by playing him saying words. <laughs> I like that. He hated that. Uh, but the aliens want his phone number. They love it, yes. Uh, it turns out the day is saved by gratuitous celebrity appearances. Word. This child thinks of nothing but trendy Hollywood celebrities. We can learn much from this innocent one, like Justin Timberlake's home phone number. So, I guess you can't destroy Earth, since so many of your favorite celebrities live and work here. We will not destroy the Earth, on one condition. You name it. I can't believe we're going to the People's Choice Awards. And tomorrow, the Daytime Emmys. <laughs> oh, oh, it's Burt Reynolds and Michael Jeter. Could an evening shade reunion be in the works? <gasps> There's Shannon Doherty. Didn't you have a thing with her? Don't go there. there don't there. go there. <laughs> there's a don't go there, and there's also Lisa saying as if in the yeah. car. Ugh, boy, those I are think both... they know it's bad, though. I know. Well, I mean, they did. They made fun of that type of writing with a sitcom called Don't Go There. They got canceled. <laughs> right. uh, uh, but 
They mention Shannon Doherty. I don't see a caricature of her, and I can't make out a few of these. The ones I did uh, identify were Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, Drew Carey, easy to pick out, and then old character models like Tom Arnold, Michael Buffer, and Bette Midler, and I think there's Jason Alexander talking to a black woman. I'm not sure who she is. Interesting. Yeah. Man. See, I didn't... Uh, thank you for looking that closely because my eyes were just drawn to the Michael Jeter and Burt Reynolds parody. And uh, Michael Jeter, not long for this world. I know it's so sad guys michael jeter was the greatest like you guys gotta look him up if you know him is just the if you know him at all from evening shade which by the way as a kid i loved evening shade i i watched it too <laughs> i had no affiliation with the south but it was on after murphy brown or dave's world or some cbs thing that's why uh, i watched it and i think now every actor on it who isn't mary lou hanner is dead i mm. think uh but but yeah that michael jeter not only is he great in that uh, he's also great in the Fisher King. He's so great as this like unhoused friend of Robin Williams's character, who's a big like drag queen, effeminate guy. I really, I really love Jeter in that. And just look up some of his performances on Broadway. Like he is, he was amazing, an amazing dancer, singer, and he looks like a meek little man with a receding hairline, who you wouldn't think is this amazing dancer, which makes it even more impressive. Like yeah, Mike Michael Jeter the greatest I, I love him he passed away suddenly at the age of 50 the next year just of a seizure oh that's, yeah uh, it's horrible yeah. yeah and i guess that he was uh i believe he was hiv positive or he had aids but mm. that was not a complication of his uh death he can't he like revealed that in 1997 i believe interesting yeah man i didn't know that man that's sad that's uh but yeah sadly though yeah since almost everyone's dead you'll never get an evening shade like what a cast michael jeter burt reynolds mary lou hanner Aussie Davis uh, was on the show. Um, uh, man, that fat old white guy who was the villain in the Muppet movie. Man, what was that guy's name? Orson Welles. <laughs> There's, it just had a great cast. The the old guy who played Mark Twain for years and years and years. That old man. Okay, sorry. I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, he was uh, HIV positive uh, got it, got in 1997. It. And yes, uh, he was gay, and he uh, was with his partner before they died. So you're there you telling have it. me a guy famous on Broadway who played a drag queen in a movie was gay? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we we end with a don't go there, which is lame. But I, I I also do like on the commentary that they use this for some real Hollywood whining session about how the People's Choice Awards didn't treat them as nice as they should have. They sit you like you're going to have a meal and they don't give you a meal. What the hell? <laughs> it's uh, Honestly, I'm glad they're sharing these like very millionaire problems on there. It, it gives me a laugh. And then we get the last bit of the episode, which honestly I think is one of the biggest impacts on the series this episode ever had because this is the anthem of the show never ending like ever since and they were commenting on it 21 years ago now uh i didn't know much about tv production at the time uh I, you know the first two dvds had come out and i knew a bit from there but even when i watched this in 2002 i thought to myself you wanted to do this parody but you couldn't afford the rights to the song <laughs> yes and that yes. always bothers me so it was fun to have that uh fact uh, brought out on the commentary like yes matt selman worked very hard on a we didn't start the fire parody but they couldn't clear it yeah. so instead they have to get alf clausen to write a sound alike and my brain just won't accept it i kind of love how dan has to sing like it should be you'll never stop the simpsons but he still ha he instead has to sing you'll never stop the simpsons like just so billy joel does not sue them over it. and this is teaching me about ascap rights or whatever you want to call it because 
even though Matt Selman wrote this, it's credited to Dan and Deb in the credits. Mm. Sort of like how in Faith Off, that's a John Vitti episode. John Vitti did not write Testify. That was other people, but he gets the credit because his name is on that episode. Man, maybe that's why Selman mentions it on the commentary that he wrote it. So, so at least people can know, even though. But yeah, I mean, the song lyrics are more of Selman's very punchy, like, yeah, the show used to be good. It sucks now. We've jumped the shark. We don't have good ideas anymore like but they they doth protested too much like this literally gave the ammunition to the people who shit on the show from then on and like, they've even done a few of these ideas they mentioned since then uh i can name a few of oh them boy, okay. uh marge becomes a robot Artie ziffs uh he makes marge robots in the episode hail to the teeth Artie ziff making marge robots is the b story in that episode it really <laughs> should insane. be the a story yeah the the a story is lisa gets invisalign Oh, right. Yeah, that you told me about that one because that's how they mentioned that she didn't get braces or whatever when they said she did. Yeah, yeah. And Abe did not marry Patty and Selma, though he dated Selma in Romy Old and Julie A. I hate that title. In five years. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That that one I did remember. I was like, okay, yeah, wait, he did date Selma. That was the one I Googled, like, wait, he did date Selma, didn't he? And yes. <laughs> and Bart, I mean, actually, bears don't show up a lot on The Simpsons. Uh, and they do an episode next season called The Fat and the Furriest or whatever. And that's like one of the few bear focused episodes. And of course, we have the bear tax or whatever from season seven. But I guess maybe Bart doesn't own a bear, but Homer fights one. Yeah, that fat. I remember that episode is like it's inspired by that guy making the anti bear suit, uh, the documentary they yeah. did when he was on Daily Show. And also, I mean, to the, I, I don't think Mo has, I mean, Mo does have a cell phone now because everybody has a cell phone on the show. But, uh, and yeah, I mean, they draw Homer jumping a shark like just so they know like yeah we know we jumped a shark we're not stopping like <laughs> and you know what the mod croaks one that also made me say like oh yeah they know that we hate that that happened and you know what i had totally forgotten too uh, until looking this uh doing research for this episode to let you know how much uh impact this is had in the fan community of how you'll never stop the simpsons the something awful forum is named after this episode like it's called about the simpsons on the essay forums it is called marge becomes a robot and mo gets a cell phone that's the name of the the forum on so, something awful yeah you're you know they really have given the fans ammunition when uh when you know people did not like the new episode subject matter they can just reply with uh, how about a crazy wedding <laughs> uh god and something happens and do 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 like it's selman doing a great parody of failing to pitch something like and also in 2011 this song made a little bit of a comeback too because the simpsons got renewed for seasons 24 and 25 then which isn't that crazy that that Ugh. felt like a lot of episodes yeah uh so when that renewal happened in 2011 dan re-recorded this song like they redid it it is wrongly said on the wikis that it's like twice as long it's a two-minute version no it is not it's hosted on ew it's a minute long just as long as the one in this episode but I also think that based on what Chris Ledesma said in his blog post about it, I think Jim Brooks wanted to lighten some of the mean jokes mm. at their own expense. So it is a softer song about how you will never stop the Simpsons. But the message is, is pretty much the same. And again, they did that song in 2011. 
I, I like the sentiment and I like them making fun of themselves, but I actually, I like the version of this from Spinoff Showcase more, mm-hmm. where it's wedding after wedding after wedding. Yeah. Identical triplets? Uh, those kind of jokes. I mean, I guess they get to the point a lot quicker than making a parody of We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah, I guess this one lets Dan sing a song, though, so that's the difference. And yeah, I mean... it, it is a tribute to Dan, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, too, they can't count, sadly. They can't count on Troy McClure anymore to host. I mean, I bet they would have done way more clip shows or even just the theme things if they were hosted by Troy. Like, man, like even the non-Simpsons Treehouse trilogy episodes they did, if they were hosted by Troy McClure, they'd be 20% better just by fact of him being there. And, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, the, the roads diverging in mm-hmm. life it's a sad thing we but. would have had more clip shows but also more <laughs> troy mcclure and more uh, phil hartman i wonder now especially since he's been co-showrunner for years now if matt selman uh regrets giving so much ammunition and egging on fans with the perfect song about how the show sucks or got worse I, and I'm like to to be fair to him and i know you're not being unfair to him henry uh i, I do want to ask him these questions but I'm sure when he was writing this, he wasn't thinking, well, I'll be here for uh, 21 more years yes. and having to have these words thrown back in my face <laughs> every time I go uh, online. Yeah, I think he... It, well, obviously, everybody figured, especially probably after the contentious negotiations with the actors, you're definitely thinking this show can't go much longer. Uh, that, And then it turns into like, no, this is the anthem of the show that will never end. And that even, even after actors someday quit the show we've said it before the disney's got really good voice ai that's only getting better uh that's gonna be real sad i mean i saw people saying they liked it seeing that indiana jones trailer with the de-aged harrison ford in it like it's sad it's it's not there yet i think maybe the voice technology could be more convincing but uh (laughs) boy the the live action stuff is not there for extended scenes and i don't want it to ever get there either like no no uh though i bet that movie will be better than crystal skull oh i hope so (laughs) but yeah it's uh the simpsons made their own theme about jumping the shark they even end with sorry for the clip show which we started the episode with so at least they're honest about it. And it was their way of saying, no more clip shows. This is the last one. And they were correct. Yeah. They they don't need them anymore. I just, it's interesting that this episode that I really hated when it first aired and almost pretty much told me I shouldn't be watching The Simpsons every Sunday anymore, uh, had such an effect long term on the show, just alone for the anthem of the show that never ends. But lame lame Forrest Gump jokes yeah uh, it shouldn't have started there I I am I am more forgiving to this now uh than I was before because I know like they didn't want to do this Mm. and they had to and hey it gave their buddy Dan a nice script to write so (laughs) and it's fun and then guess what there's 21 more years of episodes without a clip show so yeah uh, but at the time it was like salt in the wound of being a Simpsons fan and being extra aggravated and extra online about how much you hated the show (laughs) yeah with an antagonistic bunch of writers on the show too nudging you with stuff of like oh you said homer jumped the shark we drew the drawing of it right here what are you gonna do about that no homers you uh, talk about it for 21 more years <laughs> and we are yes we're, <laughs> we're doing it now it's our job yeah you'll never stop our simpsons podcast either they didn't know uh, simpsons complaining would be a job in the future <laughs> we got to make the uh, ones that don't exist anymore they're job creators for sure yes. and, and we thank them for that that's <laughs> off you do that the simpsons but uh, as for us you want to check out more of what we do and get these episodes one week at a time and at 
free, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up there for five bucks a month. You can get just that and also access to everything behind that five dollar paywall. That includes 100-plus miniseries episodes and regular monthly access to our ongoing series, Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill. And in the past, we've covered uh, series like Batman the Animated Series, Mission Hill and the Critic. There's so many things behind that paywall. Nearly six full years of full-length exclusive episodes that you have not heard if you're not a patron of patreon.com slash talking simpsons. And there is a $10 level as well. When you sign up for that, you can access all of the $5 stuff, of course. You can also access one extremely long podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about our premium monthly podcast, What a Cartoon Movie. Just like we do on The Simpsons and on What a Cartoon. We go super in-depth into our topic, but in this case, it is an animated feature film that we talk about usually over five hours long about it, its history, the creation of it, and going scene by scene. You can hear us talk about... Uh, recent ones like Paranorman and Tokyo Godfathers that we just did at the end of the year. And we've got another great one coming your way. There is over four years of us doing that monthly podcast. I would say we're getting close to 300 hours just of what a cartoon podcast you will have at your fingertips if you sign up. In addition to all those $5 things Bob talked about, we covered everything from Akira to a goofy movie, Beavis and Butthead do the universe to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Check it all out for yourself at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And as for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. And my other podcast, by the way, is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash Retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And Henry, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm always posting up a storm there. Also, if you're looking for updates on our podcast and any live shows or stuff going on on the Patreon, please follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. You will stay up to date there. And of course, we also have a brand new Instagram as well at Talk Simpsons Pod on there too. Please follow them both. And if you are looking for an easy to search list of all our previously released free episodes of these podcasts check it out for yourself at talking simpsons podcast.com thanks so much for listening folks we'll see you again next time for season three's homer at the bat and we'll see you then Omen shorts christmas show marches fling homer's bro barden well flanders fails whacking snakes monorail mr plow homer's face sideshow bob steps on rakes lisa's future selma's hobby march not proud homer chubby homer worries bot is gay Bucci u2 nra hippies vegas and japan octuplets and parts boy band marge murmurs maud croaks lisa buddhist homer tokes maggie blows burns away what else do i have to say they'll never stop the simpsons have no fears, we've got stories for years Like, Marge becomes a robot Maybe Mo gets a cell phone Has Bart ever owned a bear? Or how about a crazy wedding Where something happens and do-do-do-do-do Sorry for the clip show Have no fears, we've got stories for years <laughs>